Behind home plate, we bringing it to him all day. All day. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Birdland. Win or lose, we bringing it to you always. always. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Orange or black, we rebuild the pack. No matter where we at, you know we coming back. Section 336, we on this, so tune in. tune in. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Birdland. You know what's up? from Section 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearingly centering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka. Hey, Matt. Nice off day. We are 5-3 and three as a baseball team. You want to uh, rethink your prediction from a couple weeks ago? Well, I tell you what, it's fun doing a podcast for a second place team in the AL East, just yeah. coming fresh off a sweep of the Rays. I think someone wrote us a review this week on iTunes saying how I'm, uh, they took a shot at me saying like my opinions are wrong 98% of the time. Specifically yours? And, yeah. Right. And I said, and I started thinking about it and I was like, wait a minute. I predicted the Orioles to only win. 15 games. Well, they're already a third of the way there through eight games. I predicted Richard Blyer to have the most wins on the team, and I think like the best ERA on the team. Uh, he's no longer an Oriole. Um, I think I picked our best hitters to be Ryan Mountcastle, who's not, not on the team, and Austin Hayes, who's batting around 100 right now. So yeah, I think it's about right that all my opinions are wrong on this team, and I am as surprised as anyone. But I love being wrong when it means the Orioles are winning. Right. So, hey, yo, but you're right. how this, about them O's? Yeah, this is an awesome review. Again, thank you for leaving reviews over on iTunes. It helps out a lot. So, please continue to do that. And this is from FC Graham. Love it. Never miss an episode. Matt, like 98% of your opinions are wrong. They're almost universally dumb. But I love listening to you, and I think you're a pretty swell guy. Josh, I like listening to you, too, and thanks for not being as wrong as your brother is. And where's Bert? Come on, Bert. I don't see anything wrong with what this guy said. I, have, I see so many things wrong with that. First of all, no one's ever said your opinions were better than mine. I've never heard. That nope. guy is the first person I've ever heard say this that. Guy's, this review is getting, he must be from Florida. This review is getting framed and put up on the wall. Yeah. Also, I want to know, like, what's the 2% I'm right on? If I'm wrong 98% of the time, what's that 2% I'm right on? Um, what's that 2%? I, uh, I don't know. The name of the team? Well, here's my opinion, and I don't know if this is going to go. I think this goes in the 2% category. That review stinks. That's my 2% of uh, see, right opinion. An- another, another opinion where you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, and by the way, what's, what's Bert doing? Bert's doing freaking arts and crafts on Instagram. I know. Tagging Section 336 Show Instagram. Like, like right. I don't know why he tags that. But he's doing freaking Orioles artwork or something. Yeah. But he has time to make, I don't know, what, what, what do you call that that, that that he made? He made an it, Oriole bird, but what was that? Um, it, was, it is, all right, I don't know what it's called. My kids do it. We did it when we were little kids. It's where yeah. you take the little circle beads and you put them on a thing and then you iron you make, them you and they design, all melt you together. Them. You make like yeah. a Christmas ornament or something. Yeah, but he has time to spend hours doing that, but he can't come on here. <laughs> For a few minutes to the podcast. You know, nor- what? what is that? I, like, I don't know. I like it. Normally, it's me that calls Bert out. I like that you're t- now taking this approach. 
that uh, yeah. no, Bert is always welcome back. I thought maybe not. He, I was impressed that it was a weekend and he was watching the Orioles while he made and played with his beads and toys. Oh, oh! I mean, the deal with Bert is he doesn't root for losers. We saw this with the Ravens. The Ravens had a couple bad weeks. He's <laughs> off the bandwagon. He's going to freaking Casco. Like Bert only watches winners. So all of a sudden, the Orioles second place. He's crocheting whatever Orioles right. birds again. He's all into it again. He's all I on bet. Instagram. Next week, if we're in first second place, I bet he comes back on the show. <laughs> You're right. But if we drop down to third or fourth, we're, we won't hear from him again. Yeah. Um, oh, next week, don't you go on vacation with the Zany Burt Roadie? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, then uh, we'll have to see yeah, if we, you guys are coming on. If, you, if you're coming on from the Outer Banks, assuming that this hurricane doesn't destroy the Outer Banks. If it's still standing, yeah. Right. I got lucky down here. I spent the weekend... On Friday, I... You, do you want to tell people the name of the hurricane so that they, they know what you're talking about? Isaiah's? <laughs> Isaiah's? Isaiah's. Yeah, I think it's Isaiah's. Because it's spelled like Isaiah, but with an S at the end instead of an H. But I don't think it's pronounced Isaiah's. That's how it's spelled. Well, I'm going to go... Yeah. Okay, Anthony like Santander. Isaiah. Yeah. Santander. San, no, what, it what? changed again. It's now Santander. It's new this year. He changed it again. Well, I don't think he changed oh, no. it again. I think no one got it right the first time. So he's trying to go back and set the record. Last year, he but changed the, the pronunciation of the last syllable. This year, it's the second to last syllable also. All right. But, Josh, yeah. how, how do we know how to say any player's names? By the announcers? Yes. And every time freaking Scott Garceau says Santander or, or Durr, he says it differently every freaking time. So how am I supposed to know? Come on, Scott. You're right. How am I supposed to know? He's up there calling uh, Chance Cisco, Chad Cisco. What's going on with Scott Garceau, by the way? Oh, my gosh. I, I never, I never, I don't, I don't care about announcers, and I never miss Gary Thorne. Maybe but he all needs, of a sudden, right. shoo, maybe he needs to run for Scott? president. Yeah, seriously. But uh, your name's right. It's no. the Orioles. I, so I spent this weekend kind of on Friday. People got me a little concerned about this tropical storm hurricane thing. Uh, so I run sound at the church on Sunday. And on fr- Friday, I get the call. Guys, because of the storm coming in, we're afraid we're going to lose power and Internet and stuff. So we're going to record on, su- on Saturday morning since it's, uh, since it's pre-record COVID. We don't meet in person anyway. Yeah, you guys should so, record right. all the songs for the rest of the year. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we met on Saturday morning and did the mix. I put it all to tape, took care of all that, and everyone there is telling me, "Yeah, I don't. Tomorrow's the hurricane's gonna could be bad, could lose power for a few days, this and that." And I'm like, "Really?" I said, I was telling them, I was like, "I haven't heard much about it," but and they're like, "Yeah, it's coming up. It's gonna hit on Sunday." I said, "All right." So then I went home from church on Saturday. And we got a generator for Christmas. Do you have a generator? No. All right. So we got a generator for Christmas. Since Christmas, it's been sitting in its cardboard box, brand new, never opened. Because it's one of those things that was given to us for if a hurricane comes, since we're in Florida. Yeah. A very sure. thoughtful hurricane gift. Hurricane season, yeah. Right. Thoughtful gift, something I figured we'd need one day. So on Saturday, I decided, all right, I got to put this thing together and figure out how it works. So I put it together, I read the manual, I got to go and get oil, and I go and get the oil, I come back and put it in, put the oil in the stuff, in the uh, gas. And then I realized, oh, I need gas too, because we have an electric lawnmower, we don't have a gas lawnmower. So Mm. I'm like, 
crap, now I got to go get a gas tank, like one of those red portable things. So I had to go oh, and buy man. that. I go, then go to the gas station. I fill the thing up, and it sprays everywhere, all over my pants and the floor. Yeah, uh, you're, you're not cut out for this. No, I'm not cut out for this stuff. So yeah. I fill that thing up. I get it home. I then go to pour it in the generator, and I'm holding the thing over the generator forever. And I'm like, "This, how much gasoline does this thing hold? And I'm just pouring. I'm like, my little red container only holds two gallons. And then I pull it out, and I'm like, I don't think there's any gasoline in there. I, and it wasn't leaving the red container. I couldn't get it out the spout. So then I pour. Mm, it's one that's got to push the spout down to get it to pour out. That, 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 no, it had like a safety mechanism on it, which I eventually uh, okay. found the safety mechanism, which is fine, I guess. I don't understand why it needs a safety. It's pouring gasoline. But uh, I, tried, never be da- dangerous, I, yeah. I tried to take the nozzle off and pour it like from like hole to hole without a nozzle, and I was spilling it all over my garage. So I had quite the experience with the gasoline. Eventually, I got the gasoline in the generator. I got the generator started. I said, all right, I'm all good here. And then uh, it never rained. And nothing happened here on Sunday. And it rained a little bit today and was cloudy all day today. So you guys up in Baltimore are going to get hit with this tropical storm worse than me in Florida. It stayed off the coast. They're saying it could get up to seven inches of rain where I'm at, which would be insane. I know. For a short amount of time. Yeah, that's what I heard. I'm that's got to be concerning for Ellicott City. I feel like oh, yeah. I feel like it's been like at least once a year for like the past five years that that Main Street's getting flooded. And sometimes just on random rains, like it was right. not always on these tropical storms. Right? Like how do you? Prepare? I don't flooded. even know how you prepare for this. Like down here, they were given sandbags and stuff. I guess that's what you do, but I don't know. But that doesn't. I mean, if a whole street gets flooded, sandbags not kind of right. Right. It's crazy. Much. Yeah. It's crazy. But, Josh, don't worry. The good news is, for you, this is just the beginning of hurricane season. So <laughs> exactly. I'm sure you have some JK and L's hurricanes there you can have fun with. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But I've got the generator all set and ready to go now. Right. So um, That's good. Now, it does mean this tropical storm is going to – there's no way they're playing baseball tomorrow. I, I haven't looked at the weather. Uh, I know the worst is supposed to be from, like, 9 to 2. So – I mean, I, okay. I don't know after that. Maybe. I mean, there is the Camden Yards bubble, which we've chronicled many times about the bubble. I just don't know if the bubble can withstand a, a tropical storm. Well, I think it's going to be how, because I think the rain will be done by first pitch. It's just, it's a matter of really? the drainage system. And tar- I think so, yeah. The drainage system at Camden Yards is awesome. Doesn't well, there's going to be game tomorrow. So this it might go in my 98% wrong, but I, I'm willing to bet money there'll be a game tomorrow. Because it's, the rain's going to – it's supposed to stop at around 2 or 3. Um, and, and then um, – yeah. And then, and then I think it's, it's, the storm would, is going to be past us by 2 or 3. And then oh, you are game correct. Will start 7. You are correct. I put up the weather yeah, for, watching it. for Camden Yards, and it says that the rain will clear out between 3 and 4. And then yeah, it yeah, says yeah. – Seven seven o'clock tomorrow. It says eighty-one degrees and sunny. Oh, there's a yeah, baseball yeah. game tomorrow. You've yeah, made who's my talking day. About cancel to be tomorrow. Who's talking about being canceled tomorrow? That is again. awesome. I was just assumed there would be no game tomorrow. But the right. only question for me is: is are the Orioles going to be home or away tomorrow? That's what I don't know. They're away tomorrow. I but believe they're home. Right, right. I believe they are away for the first two and home for the second two. No, the double header's weird because the double header. They're home in one and away yeah. in the other. Well, that's not the only thing that makes the doubleheader weird. Like, yeah, who, who's pitching? Yeah. 
I didn't see that. No, but you know there's oh, new you know there's new doubleheader rules this year. Oh yeah, the the seven innings. They're seven innings long each of those games. Yeah, that's so, interesting. So that makes it a little how do you how do you use your bullpen in a seven inning game will be fun to watch and see. Uh yeah. So. But you know, I was saying because um pitching wise, just um uh Richard Blyer could could come in and pitch. But not for the Orioles. Mm, I don't know. The way the Orioles use him, he doesn't come in until the seventh or eighth inning, and there is no seventh or eighth inning. There is no eighth inning. Right, but, but my point is he won't be pitching for the Orioles. Yeah, that's so let's – I know you are. Uh, that's all right. my point. All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk about this trade that we snuck, yeah, we, in, snuck it in on the trade deadline. There's a lot of sports to get to. I mean, here, we're all over the place to begin this show. Yeah, like I want to get the Richard Blyer talk. I want to get into Ryan Mountcastle. Could he be caught up? But but I, I also want to have this discussion I, on. I prepared. They were freaking in second place. Um, why is this team right. better than last year? Is this kind of a oh. fluky eight game? So I and, to I want, that and I want to go beyond that too. Is it okay? Like about this whole thing about cheering for the team to do well and win versus the guys who are cheering for the team to lose because they want the draft pick. I want to discuss that a little bit too. But you know what? First. I've got a musical trivia for you. Okay. Do you know this song? This is... This is the walk-up... This is the walk-up song. Is Mariah Carey? Oh, no, I don't know this. This is the walk-up song to the hottest hitter in baseball right now. Ah, Hansa. This is Hansa Alberto. Hansa Alberto's walk-up song. That is his walk-up walk-up song, which is "Apoya en Me," which yeah, apparently I mean, means "Lean on Me," which is what the Orioles have been doing. Yeah, I mean Hansa Alberto has been um, arguably the best hitter in baseball. And Outside it's of Aaron Judge. Yeah, I mean it's interesting who is leading this offense, right? Because going into the season, we talked about Austin Hayes, talked about Ryan Mountcastle, maybe Renato Nunez, well, Santander. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, it's been Alberto and Iglesias, right? And, and, uh, and Ruiz. Ru- Ru- Ruiz. It's been the yeah, that, that's been That's been our three best players. Yeah, I mean, that's another story, too. Like, the outfielders haven't produced at all. The infielders, Iglesias, Alberto, Ruiz, not Davis, but Iglesias, uh, Alberto Ruiz, um, and, and Nunez, if you want to throw, he's been playing a lot of first base yep. with Davis out. Like, that's been leading our offense, um, which is maybe not who you expected, right? It's not, um, I mean, it's not uh, it's not Santander. No, it's not it, Austin Hayes. No, it's not guys that we said need to make a big impact this year. It's not guys we have already checked in as MVOs. None of these guys. Yeah, I mean, but Alberto's proving that last year wasn't a fluke. And I know a lot of people make a big yeah. deal about y- Yastrzemski's off to another good year. Mike Yastrzemski for the Giants. How did we let him go? How, how did Texas let Alberto go? Like, we got to steal well, Alberto. All the guys. seems to be the real deal. All these guys that are playing well for us, we got for, like, nothing. Yeah, Ruiz, the, the, the same deal, Nunez. I mean, Iglesias, we actually signed for money. <laughs> okay, um, one but, guy. But the rest, yeah, we kind of got off waivers. It got real cheap. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, all right. So where do you want to start with this team? Yeah. So, so let's talk. Let's talk big picture here. Um, is this team better than last year? And what do you, if so, what do you attribute? 
I mean, and we pitched. It's not just that we beat. I mean, we 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 beat the Red Sox, and I came away from the Red Sox series thinking, well, the Red Sox suck, right? right. And then we go to the uh, freaking Yankees and we face the best pitcher in baseball, Garrett Cole, and they beat and the best line. lineup in baseball. Yeah, yeah, and and but 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 then we go to Tampa Bay, who everyone kind of agrees is the second best team in the AL East, and we face Snell and Glass now, two 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 of their best pitchers. Yep. And we take both those games and end up sweeping the series. Um, and, and it has me kind of confused Which, about how good this team is. Right, because we got zero sweeps last year. Nothing. Right. Nada. So, 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 Josh, is this team good? Or did they just kind of have a good series against an underperforming race team? I think this team is, is – I, I am surprised how much fun this team is to watch. I think this team – is decent. I am shocked that Tommy Malone pitched well. I am even more shocked that Wade LeBlanc put out two decent performances. Yes, they have thrown junk at 88 miles per <laughs> exactly. hour. Career, I mean, they, they're veterans who have career ERAs in the fours and fives. They, they shouldn't be shutting teams down. Yeah. I am. I am Striking ex- out 10 guys. I am excited I about this team. That I'm not gonna call them. I'm not calling them the World Series. But when I look at the rest of the month, when I look at the month of August, I'm like, wait, this team, this team could get close to our predictions this month. Because hmm. I look at the lineup and we play Miami, which I think we're better than Miami, especially now that they've been torn apart. We play the Nats. All right, the Nats are better than us. We play though Phil. they haven't though they've been playing really poorly right. too by the way and and we always play well against them we play then we play Philadelphia not the, an average team average yeah then we play the Nats again then we play Toronto who's playing worse than us then Boston then Tampa we've already proven we can get past those teams and then Toronto and that's our month and then that's halfway through the season and I'm like wait a second maybe the Orioles can do something this year. It's really weird. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, the thing that's been most surprising, I mean, I mean, do I think that um, Hanser Alberto can hit 429 the entire season? Yes, I do. Do I think Iglesias can hit over 500 the entire season? Yes, I do. So, and if that happens, right. certainly, like, uh, we can get excited. And but the thing that's been most surprising, even more than Hanser Alberto, for me at least, is our bullpen. I mean, the fact that Sean Armstrong has three appearances and has not given up a run. Miguel Castro, the, the, the same way. I know he's given up some inherited runners, but his ERA still is at zero and right. after five appearances. Same with Michael Givens, Tanner Scott. All of them, multiple appearances and have not given up a run yet. Um, and Travis Lakins has pitched well. And Cole Saucer, outside the home run there, and Judge has pitched well as well. So I think the thing to me that's kind of been the difference maker is I assumed you have these starters go four or five innings, our bullpen's going to blow it every time. But it's just not the case. Our bullpen's pitched really well outside of maybe Cody Carroll and David Hess. Cody Carroll, who was sent packing, David Hess, who you haven't seen from opening day, since opening day. So um, I'm just, I think the big difference for me is bullpen. Also, one other note here, the defense, if you look at kind of, um, I don't know if you pay attention to like war in defense, but on fan graphs, team defensive war, the Orioles this year are in second place in all of baseball. And we saw against the Tampa Bay series. I mean, we outplayed them 
We had pitched them, out hit them, and we were better defensively than the Rays were. And the Rays are usually a pretty good defensive team. We were just better kind of in all aspects of the game. So it's not just we're winning. Like, we outplayed Tampa, I feel like, in every aspect of the game. You're right. And I get it. It's a small sample size. Very just, small sample Just size. over a week of the series. Eight games. Um, all the games that the Orioles have won have been very close games. So... Yeah. Um, and we got blown out. We got a couple blown times. out a couple times. I guess yesterday's game was not close. We we put the hammer down on the Rays pretty good yesterday. Yeah, but it was close for most of the game. But so, like when you look at run differential, we're still in the negative. Now, sure, we're, a couple of blowouts. right because of those blowouts. So, but it's only. But Josh, the run differential, I think this year even means less than normal because it's such a in small. the blowouts. We're freaking throwing David Hess in there, who would normally never pitch. True. But in close games, we're, we're actually pitching our actual good bullpen arms. When you have the expanded bullpens, I think you're more likely to see these kind of right. fringe and you're right. Hess, guys. Hess might never come in again. He'll never come in in a close game again. No, no. And uh, no. And uh, I, we saw that while even bringing – we just added Tom Eschel in, and he did fine. So um, I don't know. This team, I did not project this offense to be good. And that's because I never looked at the offense because the pitching looked so bad on paper. But now the pitching's working, and then I look at the offense, and I'm like, oh, this is a decent offensive team. I just never gave them credit or attention because I just assumed they won't be in any games because of the pitching. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in, like, top eight for most categories in baseball offensively. Um, and our, our bullpen's been good um, across, you know, compared to other teams. What's interesting, offensively, like I said, we're, we're in top 10, very small sample right. size in most cat- categories. Our, the one thing we're number one in, I'm always looking at, you know, what are number one in, um, our bullpen ground ball rate, 51.5% of the times um, hitters hit ground balls against our bullpen, which, and I don't know if that's kind of a fluky thing over eight games, but it seems like when you're playing in Camden Yards against the AL East, when they don't hit uh, the ball in the air, that seems like a pretty good yes. thing. So maybe that's part of their success. Of course, I mean, that, that's a huge part of it. If you, can, if you can continue that and keep the – it's all about keeping the ball in the park and keeping it in the infield most of the time when it's just ground balls, that's how you're getting those defensive metrics up. And all that and helps. By the, and by the way, we're fifth in bullpen war. So if you're kind of taking all the stats together, right. according to Fangraphs, we kind of have the fifth best bullpen right. in baseball, which is – Pretty darn impressive for a bunch of guys you never heard of in, and the, for in the bullpen. The or unproven, at least. And the, and the smallest salary in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been pretty impressive. I saw ESPN, Josh. What are your thoughts on this? They, they have the Orioles. They just came out with their 30, rankings. Did you see this, the power rankings? 30. He, yeah, and here, here's the write-up. Hey, the Orioles are two games over 500. After that 13-2 to two open day loss, it seemed like they might go 10 10 and 50 or something worse that only Stephen King could conjure up. That might sound wild, but the Orioles had a 14 and 46 stretch last season. Anyway, the O's scored some runs. Oz Cobb has a couple of solid outings, and this team just swept the Rays. In other words, the Orioles probably deserve to be higher than number 30 for now, but they ranked them 30. So I don't understand right. what I just witnessed there at all. Because no, no one. What did I just read? I don't uh, even understand what, what you just read. read. Here's what you read Shut up, Birdland. You don't deserve to be more than 30. We know you're hot right now. So before you all tweet us and complain and you laugh at us, 
only you guys in Birdland believe in this team. But I thought power rankings were supposed to kind of rank how good you are they right are. now. They are. And then for five and three, right. the Marlins, who haven't played in a week, no, are we, ranked higher than us. We should be uh, ranked like 12, and then, and then if we lose, quickly fall down the charts. Yeah, and I guess I, when the season opened, you were 30, so it looked weird going from 30 to 12. But at least, I mean, I don't know, 25, 24, 23, like show you, like some improvement. If we win five more games, are we going to stay at 30 if we go five but, and three again? Power rankings are crap because... The and, and there was no reason given on why we stayed 30. Not a single reason on why we're 30. Right. I mean... Except for we should be higher. That's all it said. Right. I don't understand. The Marlins, the Marlins and Phillies, they've only played three games. Yeah. But so they only have two wins and one win. We should be above them. We should be above the, the Pirates and the Cardinals that only have two wins. Like, it should take your wins into account. The... Uh, the I mean, or if you want to just go by win, winning percentage, the Orioles have a 6-2-5 winning percentage. The Yankees are above us. The Twins are above us. Um, the Braves are above us. The Marlins are above us. But again, they've only played three games. The Cubs, the Rockies, and the Dodgers. And that's it. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying we should be in the top ten. I'm just saying... Like, watch the games, people. Like, watch the games and adjust the rankings accordingly. This is why they're kind of weekly power rankings. They're supposed to adjust based on the field and play. Not based on what you thought in the offseason, but based on what you're seeing on the field. And on the field, we have the best hitter in baseball, Hans Roberto. We have another guy hitting over 500. And we have one of the best bullpens so far in baseball as well. So take those things into consideration. And one game a series, two games a series, that's a fluke. Beating the Rays was not a fluke. We played good baseball against the Rays. Yep. Against a good baseball team with really good pitching. And teams. Yep. And against some that, of their best starters. Yeah. Yes. Games that we should not have won, we won against the Rays. Yes. So don't rank us 30 and then write in, write in the excuse that we should be ranked higher. I've yeah. never seen, Josh, I, based on what people have said, mainstream ESPN type stuff, athletics type stuff, yeah. mainstream, not local, from before the season started. To currently, I've not seen a single article of actual analysis on the Orioles and where we're at. It's all just jokes. Right. I don't. It's just yeah, jokes, I, and you, it's not even funny jokes. It's not even. It's like it's lazy jokes. All right. You and I both projected the Orioles to lose more than they win this year, a lot more. Sure. We projected sure. them to be bad. Right now, yes. they're playing good baseball. On paper, they're bad. Yeah. You and I are and, uh, both on board I still, now. I with still them. don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. No. I still think they'll finish under five hundred. Yes, but we're on board with, right now they're playing good baseball, like this is fun to watch, and for now, they're better than a bunch of other teams. Yes, and how about you write up something about Hanser Alberto, because it's kind of incredible. How about you write about something like Malone actually getting people out? Right. How about you write something about our bullpen? Like, does it do a little bit of work, that ground ball rate for our bullpen? Like, that took me five minutes to find. Do a little bit of research and write something interesting about the team. How hard is that? It's not that hard. It's not that hard, but it's, again, remember all these reporters, they do all their work, like, during the offseason, they prep everything, and they write stories ahead of time. And the stories that they all had written out, these power rankings were already made months ago to have the Orioles and last. And all they had to do was write a little two sentences down the list for each team. And they already had the Orioles at 30. It doesn't matter what the Orioles do on the field. You and I have been convinced after a week, 
what is it going to take to convince people outside of Birdland that this teams might be able to win some games? Hey, hey, listen. I, I, I mean, I don't think the Hans Alberto and Iglesias averages are sustainable. No, but Can, the question is, is Hayes but, and and Stewart at one hundred and zero. Right, but here's hopefully not zero. That'd be rough. We don't want to get into Chris Davis territory here. <laughs> right. But what, Josh? Like, do you think? Are you a believer that this is a top ten offense offensive team in baseball? Right. Like, now? Would you say this is a top ten offensive team at, this but at the end of the season? At the end of the season, no. Will we be top ten in, in a lot of the offensive categories? No, I have a hard time believing. I have a hard time believing that right now. Right. I need to see this team. I know it's only I know it's only a two month season, but if this team is continuing to play at this rate a month from now, then I'm going to get excited that maybe they can make a push, especially with the extra playoff spots. But yeah, it, but it's going to take. Not, I'm, I'm not even there to think about that yet. Right? Is is the is is the bullpen going to be fifth in bullpen war at the end of the season? I don't I, think so. I mean, I, I don't think Armstrong will continue for this well. I think I think Tanner Scott. And Michael Givens are going to run through some bumps in the road. Oh, I think also if Andre Alberto continues the way he's batting, if Alex Cobb continues this way, if Givens continues this way, if all these guys, if this bullpen continues this way, Michael Elias is trading them away. <laughs> Just like we saw with Richard Blatter. I think, Josh, one of the crazy things about the season is Iglesias, our best offensive hitter next to Alberto, has missed a bunch of games. John Means, our best starter, um, pitched in one game and gave up a ton of runs in like two innings. Right. And we can talk more about him in a second. But Hunter Harvey, who we thought maybe would be our best bullpen guy, hasn't even seen seen the field. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, one of the most surprising things. Chris Davis, our comeback player of the year, hasn't played in more than half the games. Right. That defeats my point (laughs) because I think we're better with Chris Davis not playing. But the other ones are true. These are three (laughs) comebacks. You like Brian Holiday playing first base? I think he's I think he's just as good, if not better than Chris Davis. Yeah. So I I but I'm saying the John Means thing, the Hunter Harvey right. thing, the Inglesi thing been out for a few games. It's 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 just it's really surprising that we're doing this and not even at full strength. Like if you were paint a scenario for me where we're five and three, in my head, John Means has two of those wins. Yeah. Hayes has three um, home runs. Yeah, and Hay- and Hayes has a bunch of home runs. So it's just it's weird how it's happening, but it also gives me encouragement because I think John Means is going to be better than he was in his first start, and and so I think there's some things to be hopeful about. I, I don't know if Malone and LeBlanc can continue, you know. I, Malone and LeBlanc, I don't understand because they throw crap. I saw one person yeah. compare it to Miguel Gonzalez, and how when we had Miguel Gonzalez, he kept winning games, but he didn't throw the ball hard. Yeah. So I I can understand I can see that. But, yeah, I don't understand how they're winning games and how they're – Malone had what, like seven, eight strikeouts? He had a buttload of strikeouts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and LeBlanc against the Rays pitched five innings, only gave up a run. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, Tommy Malone, uh, is, is it, between his two has starts – anything else about – has 13. Yeah, go ahead. Ha, yeah, Malone has 13 strikeouts between his two starts. Yeah, throwing junk. Yep. Um, Josh, has there been anything else that? Well, let's talk about John Means real quick. Um, okay. I, I think one of the main stories with him is he's back from dead arm. By the way, what an awful term dead arm is. 
Like, what is that? Like, your arm is dead? I don't know. And then all of a sudden it gets resurrected? Like, I, I don't even know what that means. But, like, I, I, even, I, like, it's, I, like, the official I, term, dead arm or right. something. Like, that's what everyone says. What is that? I don't know. Is it, like, when your arm falls asleep and it's just there hanging? Like, dead is a very strong word. Like, yeah. You don't come back from dead. Do you want, right. It right. seems like, like a store arm would be better. Right. Dead. Like, how do you resurrect that arm? Yeah. Would you rather? Like, like is he having some kind of uh, spiritual intervention to, to get the arm to come alive again? It is the but, repetitive motion and forces the postular capsule of the soldier of the shoulder. Uh, let's see. It makes the tendons and rotator cuff of the shoulder tighten up. Overuse can build up tissue. Uh, this is the longest explanation ever. Just type in dead arm, and there's a really like five, six paragraphs explaining about how the soldier, the okay. shoulder, becomes unstable and dislocation. Yeah, I wasn't really asking for definition, but I appreciate it. But my point is, like, it's not actually dead. I just think it's a, a bit of grim term. I, I think you, yeah, but, you'd rather have that than the COVID. You yeah, can't but the give dead arms to someone else. Yeah, that's right. It's not contagious, as far as we know. Um, but... He, was, he came out throwing 96 a few times, so, like, the velocity was there. The results weren't there, but it seems like the stuff were there. Um, Josh, were you encouraged by the velocity? Uh, what was your, what's your take on John Means? I, he was throwing the ball harder than last year. It seemed like he had a lot of velocity, but it seemed like he had control issues. So I was not – nothing got my attention. If anything, I was concerned about John Means after seeing that. There was nothing to excite me. He only got two strikeouts, um, did not last much into the game. So yeah, no. like a couple, two, two innings, gave a five yeah. runs. Yeah. So when we're seeing guys like Malone and LeBlanc pitch much deep, deeper in the games, no. Means uh, frustrated me as a guy who I thought was – going to be our, our main pitcher, our, our ace this year. It was supposed to get the opening day start. I hope that is a dead arm coming off dead arm thing and not proof that last year was a fluke. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that that first start was just the first start of the season, and he'll be fine, and he'll go back to how he was last year. And, in fact, if he can keep throwing 95, 96, maybe he can even be better than he was last year. Um, because he was in the low 90s last year, being up to the mid and upper 90s, that's uh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'm not at all at this point concerned about John Means, but I'm very curious to see him start a couple more games and see, um, see where his boss is at and see if his location and if his changeup can go back to being the nasty thing it was last year. But no, I thought the stuff looked good for John Means, so um, I was actually not too discouraged by it. Who, who's your most impressive pitcher in the bullpen? Hmm. Oh, um, Sean Armstrong. Okay. I was going to go with Castro because we've seen Castro already in five. He's in five games. He's pitched four innings, a little over four innings, got four strikeouts. I, I'm enjoying him. He's just always still stressing me out. I feel like he gives him too many hits, and I just can't. I mean, the stuff with Castro has always been nasty. But I feel like I've seen a ton of Castro. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a believer in Castro yet, but that would be huge if he can kind of get together this but year. But Armstrong, same thing. It's been fun to watch. Three innings in three games and uh, four strikeouts. You know who impressed me? Tanner Scott. Yeah. On Saturday, because they normally put – you normally only see Tanner Scott for like one or two batters. Like they'll bring him in at the end of the inning so they don't have to do the three batter thing. 
And it seemed like he was in there forever on Saturday night. And I know it was only like one and a half innings or something he was in there. But uh, he got through it, and I was impressed with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing with the watch with Tanner Scott is the whole walks. I know he's had a couple already yes. this year. Um, so the location, location. I mean, that's his deal, too. He's got nasty stuff. Location, location, lo, lo, location. And so as long as he can locate his pitches and not go the way Cody Carroll, um, yeah, I think Tanner Scott has a chance to be really special. So that's definitely someone to watch this year. Are you concerned about our outfielders? Austin Hayes, yeah, listen, DJ Stewart. I shared a couple weeks ago that this is like DJ Stewart's kind of the best opportunity I think he'll ever have in his career yes. to be an everyday outfielder. Um, I don't think it's going to be the case next year. And if he doesn't perform well this year, it might never be the case again. And what has he done? He's done butt kiss, right? He's been, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's finally outfield. He hasn't anything embarrassing in the outfield as, as far as I can remember, but offensively he's done. He's, he's, he's laid down a couple of good sacrifices. That's when your highlight of your offensive year is that you've done a couple of good sacrifices. That's probably not, not, not a good thing. Like good for you for being able to lay down a bunt when no one else can. But yeah, so right. for me, DJ Stewart, like, dude, get it together. Time is running out. And he's had, go. he's had 12 at bats and six strikeouts. And I think that's yeah. been the story with these outfielders between him and Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes seems like he's striking out all the time. Yeah, um, I mean, and I feel like Austin Hayes has better at bats than DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart is terrible at bats. But I mean, and Austin Hayes, no, Stewart's got, longer Stewart's with Austin got Hayes a couple too. walks, though, too. Okay. But yeah, Austin Hayes is obviously getting more playing time. He's got 30, in, 30 at bats, but he's got nine yeah. strikeouts. Yeah, but it's, it's also like playing style, right? Because DJ Stewart is, has always been an OPP guy, good bat and I, walks more. And Austin Hayes is not that guy. He's a more aggressive hitter. He's going to get more strikeouts, but you expect him also to get more extra base hits and, and hit the ball harder more than, than DJ Stewart. Right. But the leash is longer with Austin Hayes. But yeah, you would, I mean, Austin Hayes got the day off on Sunday. Um, so hopefully he can come back and um, maybe, I don't know, Josh, maybe, maybe it's too much pressure hitting him in the one hole and maybe he should drop down to the seven or eight hole. Um, I mean, you could now that you see that you have other guys that are hitting the ball really good, you could drop Hayes down. But yeah, then like you what don't about know, batting Alberto lead off? Um, right, but then you don't um, know what that does mentally when you move the guy. And we did hit to see Hayes get a stolen base this week also. And so it's good to see him use that speed. Um, Saturday night, we also saw our first extra innings game. What do you think of this starting a guy on second base? Uh, I think we talked about it before, how we're both fans of it. Because, okay. because it brings excitement weird. immediately. Yeah, is this something, Josh, that you think is going to stick around? Yes. yes, this is the out of all the rules, the weirdness, get rid of I don't care. I, the DH is going to stick around. I don't think there's a choice in that. The seven inning doubleheaders, that's going to go away. Um, the pitching stuff, that was going to be a rule regardless. So, yeah, I think this stays. I think I, I really like it. I think it's the best of the new rules. I, yeah, I feel like other sports are better. I think about this are better at proactively making rules to increase the enjoyment yes. of the game, and I feel like baseball is the slowest on doing this. And so I feel like the the base runner, from a pure standpoint, I get why you hate it, but from an entertainment value, it immediately makes the extra inning game exciting. Right, and I mean, and yeah, and how much fun was it to see? Uh, 
Tampa Bay have that guy, have Chu Choi, whatever his name is, on second, and then get to throw him out from left field. Yeah, nice throw with Cedric Mullins. And Burst. what are you doing trying to run to yeah. third on a fly ball to left? And field another here. thing in the history book for the Orioles: first time to have a double play on the first play of an inning. Yeah, in the history of baseball. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Cedric Mullins can go down um, in the history books. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I think it's entertaining, and because of that, I think it's gonna. I think the DH will hang around, and I think the um, extra innings will hang around too. I think those are just yes. the two rules to kind of survive this. Right. Which is, kind of, I mean, what's the rule that's going to go away? Just the seven inning uh, double headers. Yeah, and maybe the sixty game season. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sixty game season that's going to go away, <laughs> of course. Hey, um, before we talk about the season and if you think there'll actually be sixty games, um, real quick, Richard Blyer. Yep. Your thoughts on the trade? What was your immediate reaction to Richard Blyer being <laughs> traded? Weird. Uh, immediate reactions is weird. Like, it's, I, I get that it's July 31st, but that's not the trade deadline anymore. Um, you're trading it to the worst team in baseball. Yeah. You're, what are you doing? Like, if Richard Blyer was looking awesome, that slider was looking really, really good when he Pe- came people in. People forget, in 2017... Was his coming out party? Yeah, he had an ERA of under two. Eighteen, and then he, he backed was, it up again in 2018 and had an ERA under two. Eighteen, and I think, last when, year. What, was it eighteen or seventeen that statistically he was the best pitcher to ever pitch in baseball or something like that? Oh, is that true? In, like the years? history of baseball or something? He had like the best season. All right. Well, I mean, seventeen was his best year. All right. So it must have been seventeen, but eighteen he was great. ERA under two, under two. And then 19 last year was a bunch of injury stuff. So he only pitched. I mean, he, he, so his area was higher. But I think that was related to injury. But, like, never struck a lot of dudes out. Always, like, you would think, oh, he's going to regress. He's not, he can't keep this up because his stuff's kind of funky. But he just, he just was always really successful. So, Josh, I mean, he still had, I think he was, this year was his first year of arbitration. Mm-hmm. So still under team control for a few more years. Um, a guy that looked like he could stick around and be like a veteran presence on the future. Definitely a leader in the clubhouse. Could be a leader for these young bullpen arms. Um, I mean, he's not young. I know he hasn't been around in the majors forever, but he's 33. Um, so he's he's not young. Um, and yeah, to go to the, the Marlins is kind of weird too. Not a contender it's, team. It's, it was weird. Um, until it was weird, but then I thought about it, and at the time, the Marlins last week, this past weekend, have been desperate to sign veterans and to sign pitchers. And I think they learned after their whole guys going out to the, uh, going out and partying in Atlanta that they need veteran leadership on that team. And when you don't really know the trade value of things going around this year, and you, the Marlins do, like the Orioles, have a bunch of prospects. I, the trade makes sense. The player to Here, be named I, later seems – we're used to player to be named later, meaning you're getting crap for this guy. You're getting right. nothing. Then when you look at the rules of this year, where right now you can, you're only eligible to trade people on your 60-man, so the guy's either on your team or at your uh, taxi squad. Right. So that makes sense that if you want prospects, you've got to do the player to be named later. And the Orioles probably know what player that is, but they got to wait until the season's over to get them because of the way baseball rules are weird right now. So I'm okay yeah, with by, that. 
And, and by the way, not top prospects, because you've seen the Orioles bring their top prospects to the 60-man. Yes. So probably a lower prospect, which makes sense for an yeah. older bullpen arm. Um, my, my, uh, I, I, here's a quote from Mike Elias. I like the first part of this quote and don't like the second part of this quote. Okay. But here's this quote. He says, um, we're, this is talking about the Blyer trade. We're going to get something back that we like and is meaningful for our future. I like that quote, Josh. Yeah. Getting something back that's meaningful. So good. It's not just a, a salary dump. We're getting something meaningful back for Richard Blyer. Okay. Good. Great. Meaningful for our future, to me, says someone who we think is going to one day be able to be a major leaguer and contribute to our yes. team, right? Yes. All right. The second part of the quote I'm not as big a fan of. He says, almost as importantly, almost as importantly, it opens up a roster spot both on the 40-man and on the active, active roster to get, an opp- to, to get opportunity. That's par- part of this, too. I don't like that. You could have given him David Hess and made up room on your roster. Yeah, what is that? You could just cut David Hess yeah. to make room on the roster. Yeah, exactly. And, and, they, and then immediately brought up uh, the catcher. What's his name? Holiday. Holiday. Yeah, Holiday. I always stutter when I say his name. Holiday. So, um, yeah, so you, well, you had to move Richard Blyer to bring up a, a 30-something third catcher. Right. Your, your third screen like catcher. Uh, so I don't really get that. And I, There's enough bad players that you could have kind of cut if you really need, need to do that. And I've been so impressed with Blyer that I really do think he could have been someone to stick around and be a veteran bullpen guy when this team is good. And even when they're bad, though, even if he, if he wasn't around in 2023, even for the next couple of years. Yeah, he's a great mentor. He could be – he, I mean, Michael Elias said he was a leader. Um, and, and this is like – I know he, he was, I think, drafted and played a year with the Yanks, but, but he's played pretty much his whole career with Baltimore. Um, so he, he knows the organization well. And so it just it made sense to have him as I mean who is now I guess Michael Givens is that leader in the bullpen. Um, I guess there's a ton of young and new new either new to the organization or new to to the major leagues players in that bullpen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hope we didn't just salary dump them or we just didn't get rid of them for the sake of rid of them. But it also it seems to me like maybe Mike Elias. Is this is this ethically right for Michael Elias? Is he taking advantage of the Miami Marlins and their desperate situation of even not having enough competitive players to field that Michael Elias um, is taking advantage of this team? See, I don't know. I was picturing him more uh, like the the lady owner in Major League who's sitting up in the box watching the team and angry every time they win and every time they're making a good play because he's trying to tank the team. So he saw Blyer and he saw that slider and says, that thing, no one's going to be able to hit that thing. i got to get him off this team. And we see, as the Orioles continue to play well, we see him try to trade more and more guys away so that he can get that number one draft pick. Oh, yeah. Like, make no doubt about it. Michael Elias views this team as still in 100% rebuild mode. If someone called today and offered him a good prospect for Hans Alberto, see ya. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, he is, he's, I mean, Michael Elias is not trying to win this year. Brandon Hyde is. Yes. Players are, but not Michael Elias. Right. I don't think he's rooting for them to lose because when they play well, it means you can trade people. And it also means maybe some young players are playing right. well for your future. So it's good for, for you to play well. Yes. It means you have good players to work with. But I don't think he's like actively, how do you think like he's still in rebuild mode? How do you think Brandon Hyde felt on Friday night? When uh, Michael Elias called down to the dugout mid-game and said, uh, "You can't use a, you can't use Blair tonight." Yeah, I'm sure. You just leaving the bullpen. Don't say anything, but he's got to sit there. Yeah, 
and I'm sure he was surprised too because we were because everyone was surprised. Yeah, we're timing, like, why is he still the in the team, bullpen? It was just all weird right. and surprising. Right. Is it? Did it make it more weird that it was on the 31st at like midnight, like with the time that normally like trades do go down? Oh, I never thought about that. Like it, Do you think Michael Elias thought that was a trade deadline? Right, like he, like he, exactly. He's just from Wheeling dealing, last minute deal. Yeah, like I, I just found it really weird that it was on the 31st. I never even thought about that. That's funny. But I, under, I mean, we all understand what Elias is doing. It's just uh, if the team sucked and the team had one win, like we all projected, and they, they trade him, we're like, great, awesome, keep doing it. Now they're like starting to win games, and we're like, oh, it would be nice to have him. And you yeah. know what? As just a player, we all fell in love with players through those winning seasons. And it's tough to see players that we've, that we've really enjoyed in Baltimore continue to go away. So I like Blair. So I'm disappointed to see him go away. Yeah, I mean, he's been around for about three or four years. There's not a lot of guys in this team that have, like, tenure, right? right. That, that's been around for multiple seasons. Davis. Um, yeah, he's our veteran. Um, I don't know why you're able to sneak him into every freaking conversation we have on the show. <laughs> because he's been there forever. He's yeah, the guy. And will continue to be there forever. Hey, Josh. Hey. Um, Davis going out sick. Yeah. Um, Hyde was like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. We thought there was um, a fight, I, right? I think there is. I think Hyde is so dumb with Davis. After, I mean, there was a one in, in Boston. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've changed my mind on this now okay. that we know information. But go ahead. Here's my quick take on it. There is that ball that hit real high off the fence in Boston. And we didn't get a good, good, good camera angle. But it was weird to me. It was a high fly ball. And it went off the top of the Green Monster. And, like, it was a close play at second. So I was like, was Chris Davis walking? Did he, like, stop for, like, and, and, like, and, and get some Gatorade on his way to second uh, base? Watched it. Yeah, that combined with not knowing how many outs there, there were. <laughs> that was a problem, yes. Those two things also take into account what happened last year where Hyde was just so frustrated with Davis. Also, like, Hyde gets Davis questions all the time. Also, Hyde was never there when Davis was actually good. So Hyde never has even experienced, like, good Chris Davis. All he knows is, like, sucky Chris Davis. Yes. My last argument for why Hyde hates Davis is last offseason or this offseason beginning, they were like, Davis... Here's what you need to do to become a better player. And Davis was like, that's cool, guys. I'm just going to go here and lift some weights. I'm good, though. I'm good. I'm just going to go lift some weights, get some creatine, and, and do my thing. I, I, I don't need your advice, your sabermetric nerd stuff. I'm going to go lift weights and pump iron. So I think all those things combined, I think Hyde is so done with Davis at this point. But, Josh, you don't agree? No, I don't agree. I thought it was weird um, with the whole timing of the situation and how Hyde's like, no, I'm not answering any more Davis questions. That's when he said, like, I'm not talking about Davis anymore. That's when it was like, oh, maybe there is some drama here. But when the explanation came out that it was a sinus infection that Davis was dealing with, I had a friend who was having a sinus infection last week at the same time, like a couple days before this, and he was sure that he had the covid I know your wife loves when it's called the you COVID. You sound so ignorant when you call it the COVID. <laughs> uh, so when, and this friend was sure he had the COVID because, with the, because he lost his taste, his smell and taste buds stopped working. And those are signs those of are the virus. Those are signs of the COVID. So, yeah. so feeling out of it and those two things, he was sure he had the virus. He went and got tested and came back negative and then... 
they put him on a decongestion or whatever and, and figured out it was a sinus infection. And then he got his taste back and smell back and he's fine. And I can understand that's a scary situation. So when I look back at the fact that the Marlins game was just canceled and Davis does an interview talking about how you got to be careful about this and how he's concerned with his family and all this going on as well. And then the next day, he has a sinus infection that gives him some symptoms of COVID, and he keeps taking the test, but it keeps coming back as negative. Um, I can understand that being a scary situation for Davis, and I can understand it being a situation that falls into that weird COVID protocol in baseball right now that you're not allowed to talk about it. So he, has, he had the symptoms, but kept coming back as negative, so I can understand that. So I can, I think of all the stress, we've talked before about how this virus has just increased everyone's stress levels. So I can see that being a stressful situation for both Davis and for Hyde, because Hyde's concerned if Davis has this, it's gonna run through the clubhouse, because Davis can't keep his hands off anyone. But uh, oh, is that true? I don't <laughs> no, I don't know that. about that. Thought I was a good family man, but, but right. maybe, maybe you're right. But, um, so I can understand that high stress. So I am not going to go down the Hyde hates Davis narrative. I'll leave okay. that one to you. Yeah, I think he does. <laughs> okay. I think he does. I think in this instance, I think you're right. Like it, it was, I think that was a situation. Chris Davis was concerned, took a bunch of tests. and, and have, Like I, I agree with everything you're saying. I still think, though, that Hyde hates Davis. And, 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 and to be fair, Davis probably hates Hyde. I think it's a mutual hatred there between both of them. It's just some high. I mean, come on. The truth is, we all want to see a Hyde versus Davis fight again, right? And yeah, and I think Hyde's going to win this thing. And I think the the um, Davis, I think, has been more outspoken than most about his concerns about yes. the corona. Yeah, and we know he has young kids, and the one was born, his like baby or whatever, had a heart condition, was a big deal last year. So I get it. Um, yeah, he's a he's a veteran. He's made his money. He doesn't really need to be there. Yeah. yeah. I think Hyde was hoping he'd just kind of opt out. I think Hyde was hoping he'd opt out. I think Elias was. This is free up a roster no, no, spot. No, not Elias. Elias is like put Davis uh, bat number four every game, uh, Brandon Hyde. I need those strikeouts. Right. We need True, true, true. We need it to either work and I trade him. Or oh, you think Elias wanted to save the money by having him opt right, out? Yeah, opt out, save the money, clear a roster spot. So, Hey, speaking of clearing a roster spots, um, here's my last talking point about the Orioles, and then we can get away from the Orioles and talk about whatever you want. <laughs> Okay. Um, on I mean, our we Orioles about the, podcast, okay. Well, I mean, like the state of baseball, how, how we're oh, having yeah. a season when the Phillies and Miami yes. won't play three games. Now the Cardinals aren't playing. We'll and, talk oh, about that and, then, and then big XFL news today. Okay, fine. Um, but my last <laughs> point about the Orioles, this Ryan Mountcastle deal. Yeah. So um, I thought maybe the Blyer could open up a spot for like an actual outfielder, talented baseball player, actually someone who we wanted to watch. Yeah. Um, it's been, I, we talked about, I think it was seven days. He had to be down. We're at eight games. Ryan Mountcastle, where is he? Why isn't he caught up? Do you expect him to be caught th- this week? What's your thoughts on Ryan Mountcastle? I wish he was up. I expected him to be up around now. I, the, here's the problem. We have no clue how he's doing in Bowie. There's no media coverage of the taxi squad. 
<laughs> I, I was, I've been at Bowie every day outside of Bowie Stadium, y'all. <laughs> I want a bobblehead and I want to see Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, I mean, right. You're not yelling. Remember the wink nod that you gave me? There's but a wink Josh, wink. What, what could they be seeing or not seeing at Bowie that would keep it from coming to Baltimore? Um, more of DJ Stewart and Austin Hayes? I don't know. Be- I don't yeah, see I mean, any that's a good reason. Point. The, the guy right now playing left field is DJ Stewart, who has yet to get a hit. All right. Why would you bring up Brian Holiday to play first base when you could bring up Ryan Mountcastle to play first base? Explain yeah. that one. Well, I think because, I mean, I like Renato Nunez at first base. The reason I'm okay with even a third catcher is because managers are so paranoid to not have a backup catcher, even though, like, catchers rarely get hurt. <laughs> right. And, but, but they're still three. paranoid. But that's three. No, no, but my point is, when, when um, the second holiday was, was called up, even when he was on the bench before he moved to first base, Chancisco was then DH. And Chad. I don't think they would DH Chad Sisko. Chad Sisko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they would DH Chad Sisko if they had... They didn't have another catcher in the dugout that I could, that I could catch. And so, and I think, listen, I want Chance Sisko. The, the reason, only reason I'm okay with Holiday being here is I want Chance Sisko to get as many at-bats as he can to prove that he can hit in the majors, at least to find out if he can hit in the majors. <laughs> I see. And so I want, I want Chance Sisko to play every day. I've given up and on if, Chad. Okay, I, 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 have think, not I think Chad cannot hit in the majors. And uh, he showed nothing last year. Showed nothing the year before. I'm not seeing anything from him this year. I'm done with Chad. Oh, yeah. Okay, Josh. Um, if I were to ask you who is our leader in on-base percentage, who would you say? What's, I guess it's Chad. Is it Chance? It is. He gets on base 63% of the time. What? What's he do? <laughs> okay. He, he has four walks, and he got yeah, hit, he got hit, hit twice, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, at least once. So I mean, he only has two hits, um, okay. but he's still batting three thirty-three. I, I like he needs more bats. That's all I'm saying. Right. But you're right; he hasn't proven it in the past. I mean, yeah. Was it the? I guess no. Never mind. It wasn't him. I was going to say he wasn't. We, it was Severino who was who was back there for the Yankees that kept giving catcher interference. Right. That was yeah, yeah, the chance. So, Josh, right now. As we sit, I mean, the Orioles have only played eight games. Some teams have played ten games. Freaking Phillies and Marlins only played three games. Is this sustainable for any length of time? No. And do you see us playing all 60 games? <laughs> now you're saying the Orioles have only played eight games. They were only projected to play nine games. Maybe ten games. Okay. I thought it was ten. Ten. Yeah, okay. All right, so they lost two games. Yeah, and, and the non-baseball fans and the, and the scary people that want to say – that are responding to every tweet with throw the ta- with the throw the towel gif, and want to cancel the season. Are making the big deal about that there were 30 games in baseball canceled over the past week. Right now, they and now we see the the Cardinals. A bunch of people testing positive again with the Cardinals. Right, Could so, be doing this all over again. Well, yeah. yeah, and I think again, it's I love the statements that Rob Manfred made over the weekend with kind of pushing back at the players, saying, "Guys, I don't want to quit. I'm not ready to quit." I'm not a quitter. And he said, but you guys got to do better. We've got these protocols, and you're not following them. We had the Marlins go out in Atlanta 
And now Allegedly. that's and now they're backing off on those stories a little bit and saying, well, not everyone, or they didn't go to a nightclub. They just went out. And now we've got the Cardinals who were in Milwaukee, I believe, and went out to or, a casino. I heard Minnesota, too. Okay. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. All this is allegedly because you yeah. can't pinpoint who and whatever because of There's the whole. There's been a lot of digging up of Instagram photos. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. So Major League Baseball. And everyone's like, oh, see, you should have done the bubble like the NBA. The NBA had their own trouble with someone leaving the bubble. Baseball is not possible to be done in a bubble. But baseball has proven if you follow these protocols, things are working. There are 28 other teams that have been fine. The, I think the Phillies had some staff people, but it was probably staff people that were dealing with the Marlins from what I remember. So I think these protocols are important and leaving and going out into the city and going to casinos and doing all this stuff that you and I know, like, I don't know how you're treating this, but when I go to the grocery store, I wear a mask and I don't, and I go to work and I wear a mask when I go to, around other people. I'm not going to Disney World. I'm not right. going... I've gone to Ikea a few times. Ikea is filled with people. So I've had to go a couple of times for the new house. I wear a mask. I go first thing in the morning, and I'm one of the first person people in and out of that store. And both times, I've been out in less than 20 minutes. Yeah. And I'm trying to play but, but, this but smart Josh, as a normal person. I don't have right. millions of dollars, but I get I'm also not 22 years old with millions right. of dollars. We're a little older. We have families. We're not... We're not in, in early 20s with all this money and you're yes. hanging around with your friends all the time just playing freaking baseball for fun. It's got right. a different lifestyle. Yes. And so I agree with you. If players took the proper pro- protocols, I think where we disagree a little bit is I don't know if the players can, can do this. And if this happens every single week, even if it's just a couple guys who go out and then they bring it back to the clubhouse and spread it right. everywhere, if it happens just every single week at some point – the schedule is going to be so whack, and you just aren't going to be able to do it logistically. I know, and I think baseball has done a good job of shifting things around and, and flexing things around. I do not understand the mindset of a 22-year-old millionaire. Yeah. But here's what I do know. I know that with this virus going on, and my job depends on this, and the health of others depends on this. And it's just a couple months. It's, it's not just forever. a couple months, and I travel with 30 of my best friends who also are all millionaires, we yeah. don't need to go out to a casino. We can go down to the lobby of the hotel and we can have our own fun. We can do things together because we're all in this bubble. We're all in this protocol. What I don't need to do is go interact with other people and strangers. Yeah. I don't I mean, need at this a bar. Point, if, at this point, if I'm a professional athlete, I'm not even hanging out with my other players, to be honest. I'm done. So. I'm just I'm hanging out in my hotel room by myself. Yes, seriously, be- because yeah. I'm not. I don't trust them. I don't trust anybody. And and it's my career. And and and, and I don't want anyone to mess it up for me. And this is where the veteran players and the uh, and the and the union leader of each team, representative of each team, needs to put their fist down and say, guys, we're following these protocols. When we're in, we're not slapping each other's on the butt. When we're in the dugout, we're wearing the masks properly. You're not going to pull your mask off to cough like that manager did for the Dodgers. Where he was in the dugout and the TV cameras caught him. Uh, I didn't see that. Uh, 
you see but, some players yeah. playing, taking it very serious and even wearing the masks on the field. I understand not wearing your mask on the field, but when you're in the dugout, wear the stupid mask. It doesn't hurt anyone. Yeah. We're all doing I, it, the entire country. And I don't. I get the argument for fire Rob Manfred based on the Astros thing and based on the just dumb suspension of Joe right. Kelly. But I don't get fired Joe Manfred because players are getting COVID. Like this is what? 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 Joe Manfred, to, uh, Rob Manfred, to, to go and babysit every team. You can't do that. Like right. you, you, you got to trust your players to care about their jobs and care about the sport enough to not do stupid things. Yeah. And hopefully. It's happening at the beginning of the season, and like other teams will look and see this, like, oh crap, like we really have to be on, on our yes. guard. So hopefully, it's kind of a wake up call for players, and it's good it's happening now, and it won't happen two, three, four weeks down the road. Exactly. What we need is for this to settle down, and that's what Manfred said this weekend: is guys stop this, or we're stopping the season. And I think that was important. And I heard someone say for the NBA to keep all the guys in the bubble, the NBA needs to just bring in house strippers. That they have COVID tested, and now you're living in the bubble with us. And maybe, and That's maybe, not a bad idea. I'm not saying baseball needs to bring strippers in, but if I'm a veteran leader on that baseball team, I am thinking of things that we can do on the road together as a team without leaving this hotel. Yeah. To try to yeah. keep people in my bubble and yeah. control and of right. these young guys. I don't get that mindset, but the other side of it is that it doesn't seem all that hard for a few months to just chill. I get it. But you know what? If we had the world's worst intern on this show, I guarantee he is not following all these protocols and, and, and bunkering one, right? down. I'm and sure he's out, out with him. his friends. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to bars because he's this generation. And it just yeah, takes he's one. He's young. And, and they are invincible to the coronavirus pretty much. So Right. Yeah. Right. It's not going to kill them. You're just thinking about yourself. Like, yeah. Yes. And right. So, but you know what? I am all for firing Rob Manfred if the owner of the XFL can run Major League Baseball. All right. Who's the owner of the XFL? The XFL sold today for $15 million. I didn't know the XFL was still an entity that could be sold. The, the, so XFL, the XFL was having a decent season, and people were getting behind it, and then the coronavirus killed the entire league because they only got two weeks in and yeah. then had to shut down. Um, the new owner... Of the XFL, who says he's bringing it back, is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, isn't that fun? I mean, I guess. I mean, if, I mean, think it, about I mean a, Dwayne has $50 million lying around, so I'm sure it's nothing to him. Sure. His net worth is $320 million. Yeah. Or no, that's what he made last year, I think. Yeah. That sounds about right. That, yeah, he's like the highest made, paid yeah. actor in, in all of he the made, world. Yeah. He made th- which means he's got enough money that he can... Bring the XFL back. He's a former yeah. football player. Played college football. He he's Certainly from brings the, the press with it. Yeah. He's from the wrestling world, so he knows that thing as well. He, he's going back to the roots of the XFL right. with uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah. He's got that uh, Ballers TV show. That's like behind. The, it's like the agent side of the NFL. So yeah. why not? Let's see what he can do as the XFL. I like this move. Sure. I want more of the sure, Rock I, in my life. Yeah, more. It'd be entertaining. I mean, I think I thought we've proven that another football league can't exist. But hey, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that he goes all out, and this is uh, like an NFL blitz type thing. You know, like a different style of football. Mix it up a little bit. Don't try to be the NFL. Try to make it fun and entertaining. But we'll see. 
Yeah. I, I know you don't care at all. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, but I believe when I see it, right. but it's good. It's good. It's, it's, I like, I'll watch. Shoot, shoot. Yeah. It's exciting. It would have been nice to have it now. Or we've got, have you watched the NBA or hockey now that that's back as well? I watched the NBA. I think that's pretty cool. I like I, the setup. I know you're, I know, I like the setup. Yeah. I don't get the fans on the screens. I think you could do cooler things than fans. I don't want to watch, I don't want to see fans watching from their home on Skype. Uh, that's not entertaining, but I like uh, I like that the NBA is back, um, and I know you're a big WNBA person, so you must be excited they're back as well. Mm, no, nothing against WNBA. Go WNBA. I just I'm not a fan. All right, and uh, what uh, other news this week is no preseason football, which I think we're all fine with. Nobody was cares that just about. Announced? It. I thought that was already a thing. Yeah, it was last week, and nobody okay. cares about it. When, they, when there is no coronavirus. So I think that's good news coming in. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for listening. Write us a review. Follow us on the social media apps. Section 36 Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Section 336. You can follow Josh on Twitter. At Josh Soroka. Check out 336 Dailies as well. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution, they help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.